welcome one and all to season four, episode three of Two Guys One Dice Cup, entitled You Are the Hero. My name's Al Goldeneye Unicorn, and I am lovingly joined by my good friend. <laughs> Phil, Phil from Ashes Cairns. Hey, thank you, Phil. Your Bye. company, as always, is greatly, greatly appreciated. Um, I suppose as is the company of the listeners, although we don't really get to feel them that much, do we? Um, I feel as many listeners as I can get my hands on uh, in person. <laughs> All done legally, of course. Um, with, with consent. With consent. Listen, listen listeners, uh, so today's episode is entitled You Are the Hero. We, uh, myself and Phil, of course, are going to be talking about the series of books out by Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston known as the Fighting Fantasy um, book series where you are in fact the hero. Uh, yep. Yep, that's their catchphrase. It's it's a series of books that we experienced when we were in our adolescence and we want to um, share a little bit of that, uh, those good times with our, with our listeners. And this will be the first of two podcasts talking about fighting fantasy novels. Um, and we'll explain to you what the, the second one will be a little bit later on. But uh, in the main section of this podcast, we're going to be talking about what the novels are, who the authors are, what's the concept behind a, a fight and fantasy novel. Is it just a story? Is it a game? Is it both? Is it exciting? Are they worth it? Why do we like them? Uh, and it's something else that you can do in your bedroom by yourself. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, it's something else that you could do. Something I mean, you can else. combine both. You can combine both if you want to. Just yep. uh, make sure you don't get the pages sticky because uh, exactly. you might find it difficult it's to something, your way through the the adventure. It's something else. Um, but our our podcast usually follows the format of we talk about our hobby first, then our gaming, and then the main section. In this episode. For our regular listeners, we're just going to talk about our personal hobby to begin with, and then we're going to jump straight into the fighting fantasy stuff. And then at the end, if you want to hear us talk about the games that we've been playing for all the different systems that we enjoy, then you should definitely stick around. So with that being said, Phil, we should start talking about what you've had on the table this month. Uh, what have I had on the table? Um... I can't remember what I did um, uh, where I got to last time. I I, I finished the corn team that I was uh, painting on commission, um, and I've started on the goblin team uh, that I'm painting on commission. So that they've been pretty um, sort of heavy uh, on on time in the past uh, couple of weeks. Uh, the only other thing I've painted for myself was. Um, uh, I was attending a Blood Bowl tournament, which we'll talk about later on in the, the podcast um, uh, during this month. And um, I was running Snotlings and I needed to make clear, because I run a proxy team of Nurglings uh, instead of uh, Snotlings. And I wanted to make clear what the... Um, pump, well, I didn't have a pump wagon for starters and I didn't have a, a fungus flinger fun hopper and stilty runner so i ended up just painting those four uh models from the gw set uh with the intention of finishing off that team at some point in the not too distant future because i'll run snotlings again possibly in the league next season 
Um, so yeah, um, that, I think that's about it from uh, from me. Um, I did kind of sort of half half heartedly start um, uh, a march for my crag um, ultramarine. I've never painted an ultramarine before. What? Um, I, I fucking I, I don't really like painting space marines too much shenanigans, but I, I've I've kind of half-heartedly started one, and I'm, I might get that finished in, in my spare time uh, before the end of the month, uh, which is fast approaching. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's been a pretty, um, a pretty busy but um, sort of work in progress heavy month with only a couple of models finished outside of. The corn team that I'd nearly finished last time we we recorded. Yep. So yeah, how about yourself? I had a really odd um, time between our last podcast and this podcast because I was really really busy. This is going to sound so dumb. Recording lots of um, YouTube content with other uh, war game content creators. Is that have I used all the right terms there? Yeah, that makes sense to me. So lots of um, lots of my sort of hobby time in the evening was absorbed by I doing pretty much what we're doing now. So you know stuff for the Bolt Action World Team Championship. I, I recorded like four videos over the course of two days with um, my friend Bo Mortensen and his his YouTube channel. A uh, guy Brad Morin who is over on Cast Dice C A S T D I C E. He'll appreciate that. Um, he had a a really sort of quirky bolt action tournament they wanted to talk about, and um, we got me involved in that, and it was really good. We did a sort of live armyless building thing with a sort of screen sharing and all that sort of stuff. So that was really good, but it just ate lots of time. So I really struggled to get momentum with building and painting toy soldiers, which I only managed to resolve in the past sort of week and a half. Uh, so I got another. I went back to slap job and fill from for listeners for the past couple of episodes I've been slap chopping models like crazy and loving it so I slap chopped another 20 infantry <laughs> and I've slap chopped uh, another British jeep and a British brain carrier and obviously the infantry were British as well yep and I've sold them already slap chop is just so much fun and the quality is Passable, more than passable for gaming standard, and um, you know I've got customers that just them up super fast. So, I it's um, the sort of thing that if you're just looking at it from uh, standing height on a table, um, yeah. and, and you just want to get your models on the table, it's fantastic. Yeah, and especially when they're twenty eight millimeter as well. Yes, um, yeah. you know, so that's I the sort of proper twenty eight millimeter. Uh, yeah, yeah they're, they're, uh, heroic scale. Oh, heroic! Yeah. They're proper twenty eight mil. Um, something else I did, though, I don't know if I mentioned last time out, was that, uh, that bulk purchase I did at Christmas time. I finally went through it and I worked out the, the army that I want from it for myself. And I sort of did all the repairs and patched that up and I'm going to slap chop that for myself. It's sitting ready to roll. I, I am prepping for a action grand tournament in June, which is being held in Birmingham at the Games Expo first weekend in June of um, 2023, so I had to construct, this is where I get all secretive again, but I had to construct some vehicles 
and uh, I've had them in the um, the airbrush section of my hobby room, uh, getting the various camouflage layers layered onto them. Um, it was very, it was very sort. Of, I was going to say the word, but I'm not. It was very factory style for the vehicles um, that need to be done. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, it's 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 been a peaking and troughing with the hobby. Um. You know, there's there's been achievement, which is which is good, which is positive. Yeah. Phil, so. this is this is that little section where um, we talk about money. Yes. What expenditure have you done in terms of hobby? Um, and so for for old listeners, they'll understand how this little game works. But for new listeners to our podcast, um, myself and Phil in the past have been notorious for uh, spending hobby money every month and it got to the point where it was getting a bit ridiculous so we um, have a guessing game each month where yep. we uh, try to guess what the other person has spent um, we never give each other any firm values as we're going through the month but we give each other clues as to what we've bought and what we've been looking at and we share pictures of things that we know have interest this month's been pretty quiet on both our fronts, so it's a bit of a bit of a stab in the dark. Want to stab in the dark at me, or should I stab in the dark and back at you? Um, you go for stabbing in the dark at me first. Right. Well, I'll get my member out and I'll give you a stab. No. So, <laughs> so you haven't really talked excitedly about much this month. I think you've not gone that far. You've only been spending about £72. It's a bit more than that. Um, I've had a... If, if you'd have asked me uh, this question three days ago, mm -hmm. it'd have been less. Um, right. But, um, but a, a, a final purchase snuck under the radar on uh, uh, last night, actually. Last night, um, so it was last night. Last night was a Monday, so it wasn't a new release from Games Workshop. Um, nah, you you won't have cracked a hundred, so you're at eighty. No, you're at ninety-two pounds. Uh, I have cracked a hundred. Well, then, for my third and last guess, as is traditional, a hundred and twelve pounds and seventy-four pence. Ooh, that's that's actually quite close. Uh. I have spent um, £113.95. Oh. That's one of the closest guests we've ever had. What yes. value products did you get for that? So, I like, I, I quite find, I, I, I ended up with, with a, a, some Gene Steeler cult stuff mm -hmm. uh, a wee while back. Um, a few bits and bobs and then i thought there's an army i could slap chop funnily enough yeah um, and uh, get to a point where it was easily playable um uh with with reasonable uh amount of effort um now I, i'd kind of hummed and hired on this one because obviously warhammer 40k is a way to change from ninth into 10th edition again uh, yeah, well, I mean, you say again, but ninth was uh, 
was it just before COVID? I think it was 2019. Um, so really? it's at the end of its four-year cycle. Yeah, absolutely. It just doesn't feel like that, but it really um, doesn't. Yeah, because we were uh, we would have been playing eight uh, just before you moved uh, down the road, I think. Yep. And that it ended not long after that. So yeah, tenth tenth is due out and imminently, uh, as far as I'm aware, it pro- possibly within the next. Um, well, it'll get announced properly at Adepticon, I think, which is twenty third. Uh, small hours the morning on the twenty third for GMT, um, and then I reckon it'll be out in the sh- in the shops sort of before summer. So, yeah, so I I, I kind of hummed and hard over whether to bother just now and just and just wait and see what the rules were like for tenth, but then they released the boarding patrol. Mm-hmm. Or um, Gene Stiller cults last it would have been last Saturday, but it, it um, uh, was uh, for pre-order. But the one that uh, with the release was just the Saturday that passed, um, and that was pretty damn good value for money. Um, so I picked that up. Uh, you got like I don't remember what's in the box. It's like ten acolyte hybrids and. Um, five appearance and a abomination or whatever the fuck they're called uh and a keller morph and it worked out like about it was about 40 quid 30 to 40 quid saving on retail for buying them indiv- individually and then randomly uh the second purchase purchase is also gene stealer cults related um i was looking at someone on ebay and i noticed somebody was selling um uh, one of the old start collecting ones um okay that had again some neophytes um what else was in there a icon ward and an achilles ridge runner and some more acolyte hybrids and it went it was like 53.95 i ended up getting it for which wasn't much more than it was at retail back when it was available Mm-hmm. as I start collecting uh, but again is uh, now that the prices have gone up and all the GW stuff is significantly less than you would pay I mean the, the Achilles Ridge Runner is like 30 quid on GW's right. site on its own um, so yeah I, I've got I've got enough to kind of work with with that now uh, so yeah I think uh, that, that that was Unexpected purchases, but um, what I, I I fancied it at the time. <laughs> uh, I haven't bought anything else. I don't think. I think that's it. There's been, I've had a few things delivered that I uh, from Kickstarter that that have appeared over the last uh, uh, wee while that, but uh, were paid for many many months ago, as as yep. is the way with Kickstarter. So, um, yeah, uh, but they. I don't think I've bought anything else. What I'm really waiting for is fucking Puggy Bacon Breath and Cindy Pie Whistle. Yeah. Um, I really want those models. And I swear to God, Games Workshop had better get their finger out their arse and release them because uh, I don't really dive in for star players that often. But I've used Cindy Pie Whistle like four times 
<laughs> the past uh, <laughs> the past couple of months uh, on uh, on games, and I'm having to use a snotling right now uh, to do it, and I would I prefer to use the actual model. So yeah, how about yourself? Cool. What have you purchased? Uh, I reckon it's a lean month in the Unicom household, uh, and you've spent thirty five pounds. You dirty bitch. I will have to give you that right there. Because <laughs> it is £34.99 or 98 or something. A good call, mate. Yes, a lean month, but I am... Um, look, for one reason or another... Some of my bolt action um, campaign supplement books have gone wandering, wandered off, just disappeared right. over the years. So with preparation for the my um, wargaming tournament weekend that I'm running, which is called the Megtron Cup weekend, uh, there's a bolt action event and a Blood Bowl event, one on the Saturday, one on the Sunday. So, But for, for prep for the Megatron 3000, which is the name of the bolt action event, I looking to reference some campaign books and there was two books that were just not there on my shelf, they were just fucking gone uh, which just baffled me and they, they're not even new ones, they were out many years ago and I asked around some of my friends if I'd loaned them out or borrowed them they're just gone to the, the, the they're gone, so I had to rebuy two, um, and I got them. Oh, look, I got them discounted off off eBay from some reseller, and um, it was a campaign, two campaign books, Road to Berlin, and um, Operation Market Garden. I could have swore I'd read them last week, but now they're no longer on my shelf. Um, <laughs> I bet you it's one of these things that you'll you'll kind of uh, move something on a desk somewhere, and they'll have been sat underneath. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I'll have, like, um, like, yeah. that's where they'll be, because I've, I've done a lot of um, recording sort of YouTube stuff using the yeah. campaign books, and I've always had a stack of them so I can quickly reference them. Um, we've got the books, so, so yeah, for sure there'll be some pile of magazines or some models, or I'll, they'll have slipped, fallen into a box, so, you know, in two months' time I'll be trying to sell the same books online, because I don't have any two copies, it's dumb, but um, that's the extent of my purchases this this month. I needed need to come, I need a full library um, of reference material, and you know one of the things that Bolt Action has got at Warhammer Forty Thousand doesn't got is a stable rule system. The yeah. Bolt Action Second Edition came out in two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, so it's so, changed then. Really, is actually it's, it's due to third edition. We're we're fine with it, but you know, even to be fair, though, if it if it works and it's um, there's very little contention around particular rule sets. Oh um, look, it would depend who you speak to, but I mean, bolt action. It needs a version two point five as a as a minimum. You know, incorporate the FAQ and the erratas that's happened, fold it into a new rule book. And um, and then just go back and republish some of the older books, update them, make them look nicer, make some money for the company. It's fine. You know, my Soviet army book, I got it in two thousand and thirteen. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, I'd be happy to buy a new one now if it's you know looks better and updated. So, see, I, I guess one of the things that Bolt Action has over um, likes of forty k and stuff is that the scope for um, new models, as in uh, brand new units, no, it's, things, is zero. It's, zero. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely I, zero. You might get new sculpts of things uh, as. <laughs> Technology improves, but having seen Warlord stuff, I mean they're they're pretty wed to their their style and stuff like that, and they yep. they don't appear to have. Although that's maybe not that fair. I know some of the the new plastic kits and some of the new resin stuff is uh, is better than previous versions of things. It's, and, it, and it's true, and they're they're moving away from metal. They've got their own in house resin that they're. Um, I think they might have even patented it. I'm not quite sure, but. And I've I've got a hold of some of those miniatures, and they're good. Quality's good. The casting's good. The cleanup's minimal. It's you know, they've done a great job. I think when Warlord first started, a lot of the vehicles were were like solid resin chunks. They've migrated mm-hmm. to full plastic kits. Yeah. And they're still chipping away at that. So it's um yeah look they're all they're, they're making smaller steps, but good steps. They're not. They're not. <laughs> they're not going to do a fine cast. I can tell you that. Yeah, and and they're not going to have, like I said, they're not adding new things into the game to to freshen it up. Um, so you're not getting like brand new factions or, um, like new units of X, uh, like, like you get with forty k, where which suddenly change the balance because yeah, they just can't do that. They're different, they... you know. Um. Yeah. If they change the rule for how a rifle works, then they change that rule for every faction. Yes. The game because they all had rifles. Yeah. So yeah. it's like it, it's yeah. There's a there's a good reason why um, these things uh, um, stick well in the in the rule set once they've they've fixed on a rule set. Right. Maybe part of me wishes like like a, a games workshop would do that with. Blood Bowl because there isn't masses that's worth changing and I think they've evidenced over the last uh, couple of years uh, that um, when they've changed something wildly and not really kind of thought about it, the knock-on effects or the or bad wording really doesn't help things and I would be quite happy if um, Blood Bowl 2024 uh I'm assuming that will happen next year, towards the end of the year. Um, would be like a, like you say, a two point five, mm-hmm. where the um, uh, the rules were just streamlined back into one rule book with fucking FAQs sorted out so that the wording's correct. Yep. Um, maybe a couple of tweaks here and there from four years worth of player feedback, but. Yeah, um, I, I would, I would like a soft, a soft change next time round. Yeah, um, and that's the feeling from the bulk of the bolt action community. Don't yeah. you don't want to do drastic changes to a game system that's good? Like you don't want to go from a D six system to a D ten. Don't do that. That's just crazy. Um, you know, there's mechanics in the game like the order dice drawn from the dice bag. And the pinning mechanic when you shoot at a unit, but if you don't kill anything, you give them a pin, which makes them less effective. All that yeah. stuff is 
should not be touched. That's that's part of the game. But... Yeah, I I I think um, out of all the mechanics that you've mentioned previously, that sort of thing stands out really nicely uh, as a as a positive thing. And if it works really well with the dynamic of the game, which it sounds like it does, having not played it myself. Um, it's something that should be there, there to stay, yeah. you know, and anything and, else should be kind of window dressing. You know, to throw in a selfish comment, I'm really good at it. Don't mess it up for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm really happy being really good at one game for the first time in my entire gaming career. So, don't mess it yeah, up, you know, Warlord Games. You've got to be one of those uh, Blood Bowl meta chasers uh, where you can only play uh, what the previous meta was, and it's now going to take you many years to learn again how to play the game but with different teams because the teams you used previously were sh- are shits now yeah so, i don't want to yeah. be that guy no nobody but, wants to be that guy really but with all that being said and done how could you chase the meta and fight in fantasy <laughs> well you say you say that yeah. I, I I know if, well, you can't you can uh, obviously because I mean you're in control you are the hero you are the hero if you get um, if you get a page number that you don't like uh, and get an outcome that you don't like what's to stop you from flicking back and yep. uh, going resetting oh. time giving let's, yourself a mulligan let's talk about that with the listeners because there might be some of our regular listeners that are interested or curious as to what it is we're going to be talking about. And um, the Fight and Fantasy series of books, they come into being, and if my intelligence is correct, in 1982, which is uh, a little while ago. And they were first created by uh, two gentlemen called uh, Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston. And... um, they were quite heavily involved in the founding of Games Workshop, I believe. Yes, both co-founders of yep. uh, Games Workshop. So, guys, yeah, so good guys, um, godfathers of of wargaming. Um, suppose it's quite a easy thing to say about them. But I think the timing of when these books came out, there were no, you know, mainstream computer games, or uh, you know computers in people's homes or video games there was arcades but they were in their infancy so I think it was a good you know a good place there where these books could grow and find a you know a good market for uh, for young people I was only two years old at the time when they came out um, so I Likewise. never sort of, yep, never picked them up until sort of you know 1990 1992 I think Time around that time would be the first time I got yeah. my hands on one. I'd probably be the same. Yeah. But the idea is that a fighting fantasy novel is a story in which you're the hero. It's an interactive book. The at the start of the book, you have to if you're familiar with role playing games, it, it draws very strongly from a role playing game. You have to create your character, and all you need is a couple of d sixes. Uh, a pencil and <laughs> for this is going to be the final one a rubber or an eraser, yes. depending on what country you're listening in. <laughs> yes, and the concept of that even might be lost in some people completely as well, because I know how few people actually 
write things. Of course, with handwriting these days. Pencils, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, we know pencils Rather being. Than, although kid, I know my kids uh, get homework. Uh, they write in pencil and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm being facetious there, but uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, it isn't. It's not something I don't write in pencil anymore. <laughs> as an adult. That's a shame. You're missing out, mate. Um, so there you're being is that once you create your um it's not even so much creating a character in these books, you create your statistics. It is um what was it, strength, stamina? Uh it's skill skill, no. stamina and luck. Yes. What you had to create. There yes. there were a few books that added in a few other elements, but Essentially, the main, the main ones, the the core ones, were your skill, stamina, and luck, and they would help you with the different encounters that you would have in the book. Yes. How does the book work itself? Concept of the book is that you don't read it from page one through to page four hundred or whatever the number is. You start at page one. And depending on the story, you will be presented with options and choices to, to make happen. Um, then at the bottom of the page, your choices are presented. If you would like to do action X, turn the page to uh, turn to page 96. Or if you'd like to do action Y, turn the page to 114. And you would then go to the next that page number, whatever your action was, and read from there. And as the story develops, you would need to become involved with the story at some point. So, um, for instance, you were trapped in a cellar uh, and the key was hanging by a thread or a rope or something and you needed to use a skill um, to try and achieve that. You would uh, roll a dice, add your skill point or your luck and compare it to whatever it was on the page that said you needed to get. Yeah. It would then tell you to turn to page, okay, if your result was more than 10, let's say, turn to page number X. If your dice roll was uh, less than 10, turn to this page, and then the outcome would be played out for you. Uh, so it's a, it's a, a lot of honesty in yourself uh, to enjoy the game uh, and enjoy the book. But at some point, you would always be given there's the death page. Oh, aye, aye. Because it's not the, there's the the risk element of you're going to end up leading yourself down a uh, a, a bad path into uh, finally uh, a, a dark alley, or effectively, yeah, yeah. Or also, you know, you would have encounters with other creatures where. Um, they would be their statistics would be presented to you. So you know that goblin warrior guard is guarding a gate, and you have to kill him. Uh, his skill would be this number, his stamina is this number, and his luck is this number. And you would roll attacks both for him and for yourself, and you would be recording how much stamina is lost. Stamina is basically your health points. Um. That would get whittled down, and then at some point, if your stamina would be reduced to zero, you would be asked to turn to page whatever it is. And as as you turn to the page, it'll be a generic saying. It's like you have fallen foul of the you know the CD under underworld of city X, depending on the story. 
Yeah. Uh, and you have sadly died before you could reach your goal. Fare thee well, warrior. You were the hero. Now you're dead. And then, being honest, you would go back to page one, roll up another character, and start again. Start again. Yeah. Rinse and repeat. And I think the, the one of the nice things about these books was the replayability. You know, it's, I mean, there were sort of, there was a degree of uh, uh, finite uh, sort of what, what you could get out of it at the end. But um, I think there was so many different permutations of how you get there yeah. uh, based on what you did. And you may be able to correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I some. I remember you used to get like items as part of doing things as well, and you'd note that yeah. down in your list, and that would help you get past certain things. And if you hadn't got that item, uh, you couldn't progress past a certain point, or it was harder to get past a certain point. And yeah. you could, one of these things that you could go all the way through the book and, and not have got that item, and then get to the end, and that's the thing that fucks you. You know, it's uh, it was that that level of kind of cool. Um, no, it was playability-wise, it was really really enjoyable. Um, knowing that there were different paths that you could take to success and uh, with different styles, you know, you didn't have to or kill every sort of enemy warrior that you encountered. Sometimes you could sneak past them by luck or craft or, use, as you said, use different magical items. And that's where that's where the role-playing aspect came in. But you didn't need to have a, a dungeon master or, or a group of players. Yeah. You could pick up this book by yourself with a handful of dice, you know, pencil, paper, a and your rubber rubber eraser to scratch out your mistakes, and then just play and enjoy it. Um, and yeah, within and within within the books themselves, uh, beautiful artwork. I was just going to say there was some fantastic uh, art um, through of various people. I think uh, Ian Miller and John Blanche both contributed quite heavily to various books uh, over the years. Um, uh, over the uh, 58 titles or something like that uh, since it started. Um, so, yeah, I, some of the uh, page art and there's brilliant. I know they've so they've reprinted them a few times and the art's changed from the original uh, in some of the reprints. Uh, yeah, which, over time because the, the, the first... It's a bit of a shame, but... Uh, it is. Yeah. The first publishing was done in 1982, and obviously the books sort of flowed on a couple each year, um, and they were done by Puffin Books, so they were, I always yeah. remember them, they were beautiful lime green spines with the numbers. And, and that uh, jagged kind of... Uh, um, yeah, yeah, the black and white. Kind of, uh, black and, uh, black and green, actually, I think. Was it black? Edge, yeah, it was, of course, it was black and green. Yeah, and then um, you had that white uh, uh, sort of, it was almost like a kind of yellow kind of uh thing with a number in it of the number of the book and uh almost like a mirror around it uh, like an ornate kind of mirror frame around it yep. um that that was always a kind of easy spot on a shelf uh i, I remember I going through I the library i remember as a child going into bookshops with with my um my mother and when you saw them you knew what you were going to get you were going to get 
an adventure. Um, you, you knew they were all going to be good. I don't ever remember a bad one. I'm sure I had at least 40 of these things in my possession and ownership. Um, actually, I, don't I, I don't think I've ever owned one uh, yeah. as such. I might, in fact, maybe one or two when I was in Australia when I was travelling. Most of mine were taken out of the school library mm. um, on loan um, numerous times uh, when I was a kid. No, I, I very much remember that. And, and that was one of the great things about, you know, my sort of parents and grandparents that if I wanted to buy books, there was never any sort of reservation about spending money on books. Books were always something that could be could be bought um, instead of random crap toys. You know, do you want a book? Absolutely. Books are great. Um, actually, when I think about it, the only way a book was, if I considered one was bad, because it just wasn't as good as some others. They weren't intrinsically bad or poor. Um, so there, there were some standout books. And I think, oh, I can't remember what number it was. It was one that I did always especially. Yes, Moonrunner, uh, book number 48. Is one that I always thoroughly enjoyed, and the cover art—it's this weird grey guy with sort of looks like tentacles coming out of his head, and he's holding a skull. He's trying to throw it forward, and there's a windmill on fire in the background, and it's night, and it looks creepy as. Um, I remember doing that book you know, numerous times. Uh, yes, can't... I've seen I've seen that one. I've seen that one before. Yep. Um. Don't want to tell the listeners what the story is. Oh, I do remember the story really well because I, I did it a few times, but I don't want to tell people what the story is, but it's something I really enjoyed. Um, I suppose yeah. one of the reasons we're talking about this is to, you know, to reminisce a little bit, introduce the concept to the listeners, and um, it was something I only thought about after COVID happened. That so many of my sort of wargaming friends, or maybe our wargaming friends, were you know, trying to do stuff like tabletop simulator war games, or they were playing lots of Blood Bowl online with each other, and even myself with um, you know with friends playing on on um, on Steam, uh, different board games like Settlers of Catan. It was only afterwards uh, I was going through my own sort of um, you know boxes having just moved house that I came across a handful of my fighting fantasy novels and I wondered why had nobody ever picked these up or spoken about them and they are exactly the sort of thing that would have been a, an amazing thing to do when you're locked in your house by yourself or you know you've got limited access to the world Aye, I, th I think they did have a bit of a renaissance during that period of time um... I think they, uh, that sort of thing, particularly around people of our age group and maybe a, a little bit older. Um, and and you, you touched on this concept uh, a bit before, but I mean, it's, it's, it's very much a kind of, it's a solo experience. You don't need to have anybody around you who's interested in what you're doing either. Yeah. You know, like, because when you're stuck in, in certainly in, in 
the COVID setup where you were, we were all kind of housebound, uh, but with our own families. Unless you were lucky as a hobbyist to have a family member who was also a hobbyist, um, and were both interested in the same games, the likelihood of you having a companion to play with uh, at home when was con- when when it was convenient for you to do stuff was fairly yeah. fairly slim. Um, and it kind of a, a lot of us were working full time even through uh covid as well you know not everybody was on furlough so um it, yeah having having that um that ability to just sit down and immerse yourself in a in a little solo role play um like that would have been great and i know there was a lot of um um if similar things on the role play side of of stuff where solo versions of and and solo versions of games were were released so you you had solo rules for stargrave came out during lockdown um you had uh god what's it called um there is a solo play role playing game called colossal um which uses uh, a deck of playing cards uh, oh, yeah. as part of the uh, the makeup uh, of the gameplay um and that was... a lot of the other ones that came out at the same time where people from the role playing community sort of divesting time into developing solo play uh, uh rule sets and that, that was... is all read from people of an age group who came from yeah sort of similar to us who played things like uh, the fighting fantasy books I just think for imagination's sake and you know, satisfaction of, of achievement, reading one of these books just is like comfort food. It's so nice to do. Um, and it triggers that imagination. I just remembered as well, as we're talking about this, that there was another cool little concept that some of the, I don't think all the books did it, but some of the later books might have done it. Uh, at the bottom of each page, they had symbols of two dice so that if if you just if you didn't even have any d6s on hand you could randomly flick the bottom of the pages and it would generate you a, yeah would generate you a 2d6 um dice roll you know that's just really nice you know, you know concept to have if you're really stuck for something um another thing the really funny thing I was remembering is that you know you've got the skill, stamina, luck thing. It it wasn't just fantasy setting, you know, elves and orcs and humans and that sort of thing. Because uh, the fighting fantasy novels, not many of them, but they touched on the the science fiction and um, sort of you know it's the better way post apocalyptic life of of you know of Earth and. So you uh, had, um... You had what well, I think the the first one was Starship Traveler. Uh, it was the first science fiction one, right? Um, and then you obviously had things like Freeway Fighter, which was a bit on the Mad Max kind of side of uh, post apocalyptica, and then you had other things uh, throughout. Um, looking through some of the other ones here, Rebel Planet, Robot Commando, stuff like that. So yeah, you, yeah, uh, you. You're you're right there. I mean, there was a a good mix of 
um sort of fantasy and science fiction um as well i'm sure it was freeway fighter where you also had to track your vehicle i remember yes. having to track your vehicle yes. damage and petrol and fuel you needed fuel to keep the car going yes and bullets as well i'm pretty sure oh yeah 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 absolutely right you had an ammo check i always remember there was a lot more to do in some of the, in, in books like that. There was just so much more to check, and um, you know when you go into combat, you're always sort of you know, a bit nervous about shooting bullets and that. And that sounds so silly to say, but it added to that realism of you know, oh yeah, if I was riding the highways in post-apocalyptic, you know, wherever. Yeah. Um, well, and I'm, I'm down thing, to my last. Yeah, that's it. The fuel thing was was big. It's really oh. big, you know. In fact, uh, on Freeway Fighter, which is one of my one of the ones I played more regularly. In fact, I think that was one of the few ones that I owned. Um, you had um, um, the situation where if you if you ran out of fuel, that was the end. That was the end of the game. That was your your you died death, in the death desert page. Death page. Yep. Uh, fuel tank zero. Yeah. Um, it was. Uh, it was. It's nice that they had the kind of the, the the main theme that ran through them of your skill, luck, and um, stamina style things was was similar, but you had nuances that lended themselves so that it was easy to pick up. Like if you just played uh, Death Trap Dungeon or whatever it was called, that's that's right, isn't it? Yeah, Death yeah, Trap yeah. Dungeon, and uh, you could easily pick up Freeway uh, Fighter and get the concept uh even though the um um the setting was wildly different and uh uh there were the the kind of differences and in, in kind of uh stuff that you had to do throughout uh but the, the the running theme throughout the lot of them of how the game was played was the same um i guess yeah what what, what stood out in the series for you when you were uh uh, aside from uh, what? aside from Moonrunner, yeah, I'm really dragging my brain for this one because there was. I remember, remember, I didn't enjoy Robot Commando that much. There was one other. It was a fantasy one, and it was actually having to scroll through the list to make sure the name jumps out at me. Uh, uh, spectral stalkers. Okay, because that was cause that came out in 1991, and that was pretty much around the time where I was just getting into them. Um, I, I cannot remember if somebody gave me one or if I just decided that this is on the shelf and I need this. But remember, funnily enough, that it was one of the worst cover arts, in my opinion. Um. Right. There was there was there was a lot of enjoyment about it. Uh, yeah, Moonrunner and oh, Island of the Lizard King. Yeah, and I remember the one thing about Island of the Lizard King. It was some sort of um, brain parasite. Oh, I had a really dumbass name like a Gong Chong or something. It was just, and I was just reading it. It was like. What this thing's on your head and it's controlling you and it's got spikes. Oh my god, I don't want I've gotta kill it. Um I remember that one especially. 
uh, it's been really good. How about you? What was what were the standouts for you? So, so the ones that had extended play ability for me, I think, were probably. Um, God, I've lost it now. Was it called again? Um, so I definitely I played the shit out of Warlock of Firetop Mountain. I played yes. that quite a bit. Uh, that was the first one. Um, and Death Trap Dungeon as well. Forest of Doom, as well. I don't remember. I was. I'm just looking through the list. I don't remember playing Citadel of Chaos at all. Um, and then Talisman of Death was another one. Um. That I played quite a lot of. Mm-hmm. I remember the artwork for that. It's like a Grim Reaper on a horse, uh, classic kind of eighties uh, f- fantasy uh, sort of thing. Sort of thing you'd see spray painted on the side of a van, uh, mm-hmm. just before somebody tried to uh, entice you in with some uh, uh, sweeties or the joy of seeing some puppies in the. In the eighties, the sort of thing that you'd see in a vi- a video. Maybe Charlie, uh, you remember Charlie says, no. uh, the the public uh, information videos uh, for uh, like don't talk to strangers and stuff like that from the eighties. No, I don't. I could just imagine Charlie. Charlie was a cat, uh, and there was this little boy, um, and the cat used to give it all meow 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 meow, and the the boy would like talk about what was happening. And I could just imagine a van pulling up with the talisman of death uh, cover on the side of it, and uh, the cat just giving it like, "No, you're not getting in that van. There's no puppies <laughs> in there. It's all bad news." Um, and there was also, like, God, I've, I'm digressing here, but there was also a really good um, uh, public uh, service video uh, from that era. I say good; it was pretty dark. Uh, to encourage uh, to to warn kids from playing in quarries, um, and it had somebody as a grim reaper uh, and a kid drowning in a quarry. Uh, they, they, these were fucking bleak. Anyway, um, yeah. So Talisman of Death was good. Freeway Fighter. Um, what was the other ones? Sword of the Samurai as well. I quite enjoyed that one. Um, and then. I didn't really play a lot of the the uh, the the later ones. I think I'm just having a look through the the names and stuff like that here. Did you ever get I, to number fifty and return to Firetop Mountain? I think I think those ones. So, uh, yeah, I think. What's the? Is that the the set? That's the second one out of those three, isn't it? There, there's a third one as well. Um, I'm sure there's uh, the Firetop Mountain ones that are a trilogy. I thought there was only two. Maybe wrong. The Haze. I I thought there was a trilogy a trilogy there, but if there's a sequel, uh, it it is yes, um, it's definitely returned to. Uh, yeah, and I've played that one. Um, I think that's pretty the, sure that's I'm, the I'm... only late one I've played. Um, I don't think I've played any of the other ones. I'm just looking through the the lists. I don't think I've played any of the other ones that um were around about that. I don't think I've played like Moonrunner or anything like that as well. Highly recommend it. 
what I would say is that with the fighting fantasy novels, and I think in the original sort of um, run, it was like just under 60 books that they, they wrote, or in association with other authors that they wrote um, for the fighting fantasy novel series. What the other, what else they did though was, I think this was, it was like another, it was like a gateway drug to role-playing games. And they actually put out, uh, um, I think they called it Advanced Fighting Fantasy, which is where they introduced the concept of actual role-playing and getting yes. other people involved. And um, this was actually my first experience of role-playing, which I did with a group of friends. Uh, and they had, and I actually did buy all the books that they, they had for it, which was, you know, the introduction to role-playing. Um, you know, they had the generic books like Out of the Pit, which is like a, a beastery type book. You know, so all the different monsters that you can populate your adventures yeah. with. Uh, and then different settings. So one was called Black Sand, one was called Alancia. Uh, different sort of world settings that they had. Um, yep. And then there Titan was sort of, one, I think. Uh, yep, Titan as well. Yep, and then there was a pretty sure it was a, a pre-made adventure called the Riddling Reaver, and I actually found my first copy of that book. Um, nice, which was just phenomenal. Um, I love, uh, you know, just picking it up, just bringing back all the memories, playing with, you know, with old friends. Um, so it was it was one of those great things for me personally as a, as a as child I guess you're ten eleven I think you're still a child then at least you were back in the early nineties um, that really fired my imagination for for games for enjoyment and for escapism and uh, you know I I am very glad to have, to have enjoyed it enjoyed those times and. And that's part of the reason why we're talking about it, because I think a lot of our listeners are of a similar mindset to us. Yeah, it was definitely um, like a, a symbiosis between these books uh, and my um, introduction to likes of Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader and stuff like that. Um, I think the only role playing game I played of that era would probably be in the Star Wars role playing game. I was never aside from like fight and fantasy, it, uh, I was never really overly bothered with the role playing game side of things. Yep. Um and then that's obviously flipped around now. Uh I'm quite I'm quite heavily interested in, in RPG stuff. Um I think the 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 role playing game element for me was strongest on the computer, where you had mm -hmm. like the uh, Baldur's Gate and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, the Forgotten Realm stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that was that was kind of where I was uh, doing my uh, R RPG stuff. Um, past a point, it was definitely. I think for me, the period of doing the final fighting fantasy stuff was early 90s through to mid mid 90s and then a little bit in 2002 2001 2002 2003 when i was mm. um round about australia that sort of era and um 
I haven't. I, de I definitely wasn't overly fussed with them during uh, my latter teens and 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 stuff. No, um, and it would be the same for me. So, nineteen eighty nine through to nineteen ninety four would be this sort of yeah. intense sort of five years of when these books were really sort of full of enjoyment for me. You know, before you know, alcohol and women and you know all those other exciting things come into play. Yeah. Um. But the effect they had on how I am as a person was definitely made, and I think that provides a good segue as to letting the listeners know what we're going to do next. Yes. Because what we are going to do next is a. For the next episode, which might not be the next episode released sequentially, but there will be a um, You're the Hero 2. I am a... Well, T-O-O. -O. Two. <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh. oh. Um, we're going to revisit some of these books, and we're going to do them, and then we're going to do a book report back. So what myself and Phil are going to do is we are going to do some fights and fantasy novels. Um, I'm not sure how many Phil's going to do. I'm not going to put him on the spot for that sort of thing. But what I am going to do is there is a, a series of four books within the main um, fight and fantasy collection that are interlinked. Uh, and they're by Steve Jackson. And, the, and it's called Steve Jackson's Sorcery. And you know, the books themselves can be picked up individually and played and enjoyed, and that that's great. But if they're done as a set of four, your character travels through all four books, and I think the main quest is to find the, the Crown of Kings or the Crown of Command. I can't, I can't remember what it is. And um, once we, we do these books, we're going to do a bit of a book report, tell you know yourselves, the listeners, how we enjoyed them, what we did, did we did we cheat? How many times did we die? What cool things did we experience with them? Um, you know, and and was level of enjoyment from when we were twelve to I think we we're both sort of forty two, forty four, or we're we're old, we're old now, um, and that's that's going to be our plan. So the titles of my books are the Shamutanti Hills, Car City Port of Traps, Seven Serpents. And then the crown of kings. And the cool thing is, on the cover of all of them, a fighting fantasy game book in which you are the hero. Yes. So, Phil, what um, have you got your eyes on any books? Well, I would do The Warlock of Firetop Mountain. That's the one I'd be looking at doing. So you're just going to stick with one? You're not going to push the boat out? And get yeah, I, I don't... I don't think I'll have time to do multiples. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll probably end up just doing the one. I mean, if I get a chance to do another one, I might I might do uh, Freeway Fighter, uh, but um, I'll, uh, I'll 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 go I'll, I'll go right back to the start and see uh, see what what where that takes me. Yep. Now, Freeway Fighter would be a good one to to listen there to listen in on your report. Hopefully, um, bring back all those good memories I had of uh, running out of petrol somewhere, yes. somewhere on the side of the road, and just dying a miserable death. Yeah. 
So there's there's two to choose from for me that'll be there. Uh, fire, Warlock and Fire Top Mountain are a freeway fighter for sure. Fantastic. So that's that's the overview of a fighting fantasy novel and the authors. So next time we talk about them, we will be doing our book reports to our listeners. So with all that being said and done about our fighting fantasy quests, where we will be the heroes, uh, we have done some actual tabletop wargaming and online wargaming. And as we said at the start of the podcast, we, um, we've shuffled, shuffled the order of our sections about um, just to help some of our newer listeners out so you don't have to listen to myself and Phil uh, talk about how awesome we are at our wargaming or oh, we could be less awesome this month. I don't know, Phil, uh, what games have you managed to um, get involved in? I had been decidedly unawesome last month, so oh even anything was going to be an improvement, to be honest. Um, so I think I've played um, maybe I think it's I think I've played two games of tabletop in the league since we last spoke. Uh, I played um, a full fat beard with his Skaven, uh, a guy called Scott from our league, and. I played uh, Ryan Mornival uh, again with his Amazons mm-hmm. uh, in the league as well. Um, those games are both dead rubbers draws. Um, I think I had more... The first game against the Skaven was 1-1, and I should have won that game. I decided not to score in, turn, in my turn 7. No, in my turn... Um, Eight of my drive, no seven. Uh, my turn seven because I didn't think he was going to be able to kind of score in the time that was left. Must have been, yeah. Oh no, it would be my, my turn seven. My turn seven of of his drive. That's right. I didn't think he was going to be able to do a one turner. Um, no, I think he probably could have tried to, but whether he was was able to do it or not was another matter. Um. So I left. I left it, and he sneaked round and uh, managed to escape me and pop the ball. And then I couldn't pick it up. And uh, he stunned the guy that I would have been able to pick it up. So that's ruled out my me scoring his drive. I scored on my drive, and then he uh, made a convoluted attempt to score and scored on his last turn of his his uh, the remainder of the drive. So. What? Finished one one. It was just uh, so yeah, bad bad play by me. Um, yeah, I but just, what does what does a convoluted Skaven score look like? Is that just when they're making oh it up God. dice by dice as they're going along? Well, like so, we we were kind of the last game that was going at the time, and I could see that you needed to do a four plus two plus to score. Uh, that was the bet. That was the the. The the best I could uh, do was to give him that dice, and it was with us. I got a runner, and he had dodge for the four, the four plus. Yeah. Uh, he then, uh, I think he did a dodge with somebody else. So there was a three plus involved. There was a one dice block. There was an uh, and another thing, and then and then there was a four, then he did a four plus and two plus and a handoff. And I'm like sitting there going at the end of it, like Scott, you, you could have done that in about two dice rolls as opposed to 
10 and you he didn't have a reroll for most of the stuff he was doing before he did the uh, the the 4 plus and then I'm just like wow you're lucky you got away with that because otherwise I was yeah. winning anyway um, yeah, I've, so, I've, done, I've done those plays before when you're you don't see the easy play and you just start um, you know with the complicated yeah. the, the non-essential stuff and then all of a sudden you realise it's like oh hang on a minute this is the right way well, that was it. I I I don't know whether he'd see. I I I pretty much don't think he'd seen or thought about the the other play, uh, which which is fair enough. You know, you're looking at your a board state last turn, um, like it just doesn't kind of always kind of make sense, uh, to what you're doing. So yeah, that was a that was a a one one, should have been a two one or one nil to me though. Uh, so I was I was annoyed with myself for not scoring. I should have scored at the end of his uh, drive. Um, then the Amazon team. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, Ryan had half his team missing, which meant that his TV was similar to mine. Uh, he got his two um, uh, block uh, blockers, whatever they're called, the strength four ones, on his Amazons were both missing after Gordon. Gave him a hide, uh, hiding physically uh, <laughs> in the previous game. Um, it was quite even. Neither of us scored in our drive, and it was nil nil. Right. Um, I was. I had to do a lot of work to stop him from scoring. He he failed a lot of dodges, which helped. Um, but um, he took three of my players off with casualties in the first half. Uh, I managed to. Uh, to argue the call for Pie Whistle, uh, who I'd uh, uh, induced for that game, and she did some work, uh, which was great. Um, but yeah, that was that was a dead rubber, a total dead rubber. N- neither of us could get anything to work at all. Um, and then great. I'm not going to be playing my last game because the guy I'm supposed to be playing messaged me on Monday or whatever saying that he could own, he couldn't play on Wednesday uh, our regular week uh, a day for gaming and I can't play any other day this week uh, or next week I've just got far too much on and have to be yeah. back and call my, my dad after my mum died so um, I just don't have the the space out with the the one day I'd allocated for that, so I'm just gonna have to take a concession loss for that one. Yeah. Um, the other, yeah, it's a, it's frustrating though because I could would have had a good chance of winning that game, I think. Uh, so that's on that's on the the league side. On the tournament side, I attended Mulligans. Uh, oh, in, of course, uh, yeah, that's happened. Yeah, whatever the fuck that was. Up Hall, in Broxburn, yeah. So, yeah. And for it, our for our non UK, non Scottish listeners, uh, we'll just call it Central Scotland. Yes, yes. It's not exactly the arsenic of nowhere, uh, but it's uh, central enough between Glasgow and Edinburgh to be like legitimately Central Scotland. Um, it's a it's a well run tournament. Chris, uh, who who does it, uh, has uh, uh, I think it's it's in its third year, but he's done plenty of tournaments outside of Blood Bowl, like Star Wars related stuff and other bits and bobs. So he's a, a seasoned TO, um, and he's also the NAF rep for Scotland as well. 
he's a good guy. Um, he had a really, really strong attendance this year. I think there was 60, 64 or 65 people playing in total. I, I didn't, it wasn't, it must have been 64. Um, and that that will mean now that uh, Scotland gets its uh, its own national uh, tournament next year, uh, which gives us the double points rating uh, for uh, tournament output. Uh, so Mulligans next year will be a national, which is amazing. Uh, the place does that it, it was held. Sorry, on you. Does it ha- sorry, does it have to be that specific tournament? Can it not be another new tournament set up? It doesn't have to be, but uh, that's what Chris is elected to do, which I think is a reasonable thing because uh, yeah. he's put in the effort to organise it. And uh, to be honest, Mulligans is the most central uh, tournament out of all of them. Um, and it's also the biggest tournament in Scotland. So would we want to detract from that anyway? Or would we want to capitalise on that? I think he's made the right choice. I think. Uh, the other problem with putting a, a another tournament is it'll be a two dayer, um, mm-hmm. and it's just it will cl- somebody else would have to give way of the calendar, yeah. uh, which would be uh, which is already chocker full of uh, full of tournaments. So I think it, it makes sense. Uh, March is is a good month, uh, but the tournament itself was great. Um, like I had, I took snotlings. I think I mentioned earlier on um, with Morg. Um, my team was uh, two block uh, trolls, um, a accurate fungus flinger, um, a wrestle fun hopper, a catch stilty runner, um, a pump wagon with sneaky git, and then a couple of snotlings. Um, well, fill out the rest of the roster to 16 with normal snotlings. A couple of them had um, dive and tackle, and I had another one with sneaky git. And then I took three rerolls and a bribe. So it was a pretty reasonable team. Snotlings, though. Um, game one, I played against a lad from up near um, uh, Elgin. I think he's in the um, like the RAF or the uh, Mountain Rescue sort of bits and bobs for the RAF. Um, and he plays in the Mage League, I think, um, up there. He was a really nice lad. Um, I couldn't pick up the ball for four turns in my drive and that led to him sort of pouring forward and scoring in my drive. I then equalised in my drive uh, in my drive to make it 1-1 um, and then he ground down the pitch to score for 2-1. Because I made picking up the ball after failing the first turn a priority, uh, I wasn't getting the hits with the likes of Morg or the fouls with the pump wagon yep. or the trolls because I didn't want to, uh, I wanted to ha- have a re-roll for each of these pickups. Um, and that fucked me in terms of removals. I didn't really have much removal by the end of my half because by the time I'd got to my uh, trying to score myself, I, my focus was on scoring. And if uh, removals were secondary, I didn't want to compromise that by getting anybody sent off. And I'd already used my bribe turn his turn four to keep the pump wagon on, so I didn't have that for the second yep. half. So that was infuriating. Um, I thought, well, maybe I'll get a, a throw teammate at the end, potentially tie up 
uh, using Morg. Uh, but the ball went into my end zone, which negated that completely. So two two one loss, which is a bit annoying. Uh, I I feel like I was I was worth a draw in that game. Um. Uh, the second game was uh, against a guy called Ivan Bragg. Um, mm-hmm. He was playing Skaven. He's a, a central belt player. He plays in the MKBBL, who, uh, like Chris, is the, the T, uh, TO for that as well, or the commissioner for that, rather. Ivan's a nice lad as well. He's from Aust- He must be from Australia. He had an Australian accent. Uh, but yeah, he, um, he was playing Skaven. Um, that one finished 1-1. Um, I took out his uh, Rat Ogre turn one, and he, um, with a KO, um, and he got it back. Uh, and it was it was a perfect one for me. It was a one turn, uh, an eight turn drive, smashed him about all over the place. Um, couldn't stop him from scoring, but he managed to string it out for enough time to give me to make it more difficult for me to naturally make my way up the pitch and have to rely on a throw teammate. Um, I was in a great position for a throw teammate. Uh, he dodged into a, into my cage, one dice the ball carrier, and got a pow. The ball bounced into a, a good square for him in that it went next to a guard um, Skaven Blitzer. Um, I had to clear the, the gutter runner that did the cage dive, so I had to three dice that with a troll. Got got wrestle, which was great because, uh, sorry, got a both down in the mix because that was great because he had wrestle. I had block, so he had to choose uh, uh, wrestle there. So cleared that tackle zone, um, smashed uh, a good couple of dodges to get uh, a two dice on the blitzer. Knocked knocked him down, so everything was good. Great at this point. Picked up, went to pick up the ball to make a handoff. Had to use the reroll I had for that for the pickup, and failed the handoff. So couldn't make my throw teammate with that. So I was a throw teammate again away from winning that game. And I think I'd done enough to secure the draw, and probably could have had should have had a win out of that one. The um, the one that aggrieved me the most was the last game. Um, now, I was playing um, Philip Bartakowski. Uh, he's uh, another central belt player. Uh, I think his NAF name is Von Sarza. At least that's what he is on uh, Fumble. Yeah. Uh, another nice guy. Brilliant game. All of my games were fun. Uh, had great conversations. And I'd never played these guys in person before, which was brilliant. You know, you go to a big a tournament in Scotland... <laughs> Odds are you'll play somebody from your own league, or um, or someone that you have at least played before. Yeah, so playing three three new uh, three players I'd never played before was was amazing. Uh, Phil was uh, other Phil was using uh, chaos uh, no corn, uh, and he had a quite a strong team. Um, he scored. I scored in my drive. Um. No, he scored in his drive. I scored in uh, my drive. Was it the other way around? I can't remember. In fact, I must have scored first because he scored in his drive and then I had another throw teammate attempt. Now, I only had five players at this point. Everything went right. I got the ball. 
I handed it off to the person who was going to be uh, uh, thrown. And then I rolled a two with Morg for the throw. Now, on a short pass, you need a three or more for it to be uh, inaccurate. A two's uh, wildly inaccurate, or whatever it is. Um, now, Morg's got a built-in re-roll once a game, uh, and it was the only time I, I had a chance to use this. And I was like, right, let's go. I get to re-roll the pass for this. Roll the fucking one. Yeah. So, so that that one I could have snuck uh, a win on any other day, um, but a draw was probably more um, more reflective of the game. Um, so, as far as the games went, lost round one should have been a draw, or could have could have been a draw. Drew round uh, two probably should have been a win. Uh, drew round three. A, a draw was fair, so uh, I'm not too unhappy with that. Two draws against pretty strong teams like Skaven mm. and Corn in the current meta with uh, Snotlings isn't bad. Uh, Morg did some work. Snotlings are Snotlings, though. As soon as you start hitting them, if you knock them over, they're gone. You know that. Uh, and I est- I established fairly early on that for some reason I wasn't getting many stuns. It was just usually casualties. <laughs> Like it was just like bang, casualty, bang, casualty, bang, casualty. So all my players were just getting going straight into uh, uh, when they were getting knocked down. We're going straight into flipping casualty bins. Um, as far as the roster goes, the foul uh, would I change anything? I thought the sneaky get pump wagon was good, and it worked well from time to time. It would have worked more if I'd had a, more opportunity to use it. The block trolls were fine. Morg was fine. Um, I didn't get much chance to use the Wrestle Fun Hopper because of the way the games played out, but it would have been a good, decent threat, so I would have kept that. The one I would have changed would have been the Catch Stilty Runner, and I think I possibly would have just uh, given that something else. Um, I don't know. Or maybe put a uh, Sprint on a, or, or another Dive and Tackle on somebody, because it, it really didn't come into play much during any of the games. Um so yeah, that that was that was that's the in-person stuff. God, I, I've had a long time for uh, for playing, uh, and I've played two games online since uh, we spoke last. One against uh, your, yourself, yeah, uh, which I'll, I'll talk about at the end. Of, uh, yeah, because you can uh, do that. You like, can do that as a handover to to me. Yes, uh, and I will talk about the other game first. Uh, which was against uh, Hipster Potter in the uh, Carnival of Chaos. Um, well, I should point out, uh, before I move into that, I did have a practice game against Hipster Potter with a Skaven for the, uh, in person for the tabletop uh, for Mulligans, and I beat him 2-1 with my Snotlings, so that that was another game I played. Uh, but we were the Carnival of Chaos, for anybody who hasn't listened and is joining us now, is Lineman uh beastmen you can only take random mutations you can't fire anybody uh after they've had stat downs or anything like that you've just got to live with them um i've had a pretty rough bag of games uh coming up to our game and the game against ross and i beat ross 2-0 it was a good game there was some (laughs) shenanigans 
um, but there was uh, everything kind of went more in my the, the slide went more in my favor this time you know with in terms of numbers versus blocking and outcomes as far as actual injuries go uh, I lost a guy to negative AG uh, which isn't a, the end of the world he's line fodder now and I got a couple of good skill ups out of it um, so my team's in decent shape now after having been brutalized fairly early on and then flipping back the way to our game uh, what, what did we we ended up just with a draw didn't we I think it was 1-1 in the end yep. it wasn't really there wasn't really a massive amount of uh, um, issues was there it was just kind of it one was of a very that... it was a very generic game where there was no yeah. great failure there was no great successes we each managed to touch down um, both of them were very similar in style and that there was a little bit of risk but it was just because some holes opened in defences with um, with stunned I only I think I remember I only got one miss next game um, yeah I, I it was a fairly fairly straightforward uh, game on that front um, yep there were no great mistakes there were no it was very generic blood bowl sadly we had we had fairly even dice the pair of us across the the game as well. You know, I think I'm just looking at the dice log here, and uh, both of us rolled all, an almost identical amount of block dice uh, in terms of the the types. We both uh, I rolled twelve skulls, you rolled eleven. I rolled thirteen both times, you rolled eleven. We both rolled. Well, I rolled thirty seven pushes, you rolled thirty five. I rolled thirteen defender stumbles, you rolled eleven and 18 pows against 16. So it was fairly yep. close on that. But, and same with the D6 and the, the uh, stuff. I think I had more injury, caused caused more injuries to you, but you caused uh, more KOs to me than I caused injuries combined. So there was a balance there as well in terms of removals when we needed it. It was fairly yeah. even. Yeah, and that's and that's why I ended up with 1-1. One, one. Um... I remember it being an enjoyable game, just not very exciting or yeah, world-ending, yeah. um, and that's okay. Yeah. So I will now hand over to your good self to tell me about all of your gaming shenanigans yeah, the, well, the last month. Well, you've covered off the obviously the Blood Bowl game that from the Carnival of Chaos that we played. I had another game from our online league, Carnival of Chaos, against... Um, He's Mark McNaughty, 69, is Mark, that his? Marky Mark. He's changed ah, it to Marky Mark. It's, it's been like that for a year now. A year of disappointment. I know, another year of disappointment. But sadly, Mark also had to encounter some disappointment in Blood Bowl <laughs> against me. It was it was carnage. Um, so our TVs were roughly equal. There was no inducements going on. And... Um, yeah, it was just classic, classic game for our league. It seems to be if, as soon as you get two goats ahead of your opponent, either through putting them out via KO or um, or injury, it seems to be a bit of a snowball effect. But my um, my goats didn't stop there; they rained absolute horror upon Mark's yes. team. Uh, there was a foul as well, a one goat foul, and the goat died. And I argued the call successfully and stayed on the pitch. And just <laughs> the the whale 
that came up from poor Mark was uh, really unfortunate. But but even in saying that, though, Mark um, up a robust defence. Uh, so I really had to work to get the first touchdown. And then again on his drive, I defence was a bit shaky. I think that might be to a few sort of poor placements by Mari part and some good, I think there was a little run of stuns that yeah. happened that opened up a few doors for Mark. So he got another touchdown, but uh, I was in a position where I could force him to score early on his drive, give me the time to get my second touchdown over the line. And by that point, the snowball effect, it was it was more like an avalanche now. Um, it was Mark's goats were just falling like like, Aye. Oh, like well, dominoes. He, ended, he ended up with five uh, on uh, like a permanent or a uh, miss next game. Oh, yep. it was, and it was and brutal. It's, it's, it's funny because it's happened. I mean, it's weird with the league because you kind of look at it uh, based on the fact that it's fairly even. That there's no skills are better than anybody's really, you know, like, and it's so random, you know, you, you can end up with so many different combos. Um, and most teams are sitting with a bunch of draws, and there's a few, a few kind of with a few win uh, with wins. Uh, but Mark, poor Mark, is sitting on five losses at the moment. Yeah, out of five. yeah um, it's pretty pretty sad days. But I think I scooped up between like eighteen and twenty star player points. Yes, and I think I picked up at least four new random mutations. Um. Well, and it's Within good because that. you were pretty light on um, um, uh, stuff before that game in terms of skills yeah. and things. So I've got a good boost now. I know I've got one with two heads. Uh, I don't think I got any... No, I'm pretty sure I've got a big hand as well. Um, uh, yes, you've got a, a weird player with prehensile tail iron, hard skin and big hands. Uh, hand. <laughs> he's, he's a weapon, He's, he's probably the, one of the ugliest motherfuckers on the team, but he's there. You've got two two head players, which is which is really good, uh, yep. and an extra arms guy as well. I mean, the, they the, they all got picked up in that game. Yeah, the guy, the the, the kind of um, pinnacle of any team with these is kind of getting somebody who ends up with random with two heads and extra arms and big hand. You know, if you do that, then that player is like god tier. Uh, yeah. Given the amount of or the lack of uh, built-in rerolls for things, yep. um, if they manage to luck into monstrous mouth after that as well, that'd be even better. Yeah. Uh, I, Iron that... hard skin, iron hard skin, which I notice you've got a couple of now, is actually not that bad a skill in this league because you will come up against claw a fair amount, and it negates mm. claw. Um, yeah. It's shit in every other circumstance. You wouldn't take it, but in this instance, uh, where, like you said, you mentioned earlier on, players going off the pitch uh, really turns the game. Uh, the difference between a um, like a seven uh, up uh, versus uh, a nine up is massive. Yep. Um, so good. Yeah. And then, so that that's the blood bowl side of things. Um... And last time I, I alluded that I went to a bolt action tournament. It was a doubles event. And, yep. um, you know what? It was good fun, but it was also pretty rough. Pretty rough going. A sort of rough reintroduction to the, to the tournament scene for the start of the year because... Oh, what was the... 
it was a doubles event. I went with my friend Ant Ant Purdy um, Perdindas uh, from the the, bowl, uh, the Blood Bowl world, and we often team up for bolt action doubles. Just for whatever reason, when we're beside each other, we've got a good synergy. We we really understand what we're both thinking, and we can both act as a bit of a safety net for one another. It's great. So you know, whenever there's a bolt action doubles, I'm with Ant, and if he cheats on me, then he's a dirty bitch. <laughs> Um, so I had no doubts in my, my partner's ability. Our lists were, we were really happy with our lists. I took something a little bit different. I took a Soviet list with a flamethrower tank, lots of inexperienced infantry, which I've never really done before, but it worked well with, with what Ant had. He had some, uh, Romanians, so it was a good, it was a good match. What we were up against on round one was we played, a guys who are um, on the sort of international world world team championship sort of level uh, for Scotland, so the same as us, uh, Phil and Andy, so they're both extremely competent players they know exactly what they're doing and um, so that first game, the table we were on was really imbalanced in terms of the scenery and we were all standing around it and it's like yep, whoever rolls the dice to pick table edges will pick, you know Table side because it's the best. Uh, and Phil and Andy won that role, and yes, they picked that side because it was the one to pick. Yeah. Um, so the, they had this huge advantage in table side, and they knew it, and we would have picked the same. And then as the game's developing, the dice rolls, myself and and Anne and, and Ant were just really rolling miserable dice. And, you know, things that just needed a two plus weren't working. Um, and so when you're playing against opponents that are at the same level as you, your lists are just as good as one another. It's the other yeah. things that will come into play. Uh, you know, massive advantage in scenery to our opponents. And, you know, our dice were poor. Their, their dice were just average. They weren't rolling, you know, amazing things. They were just rolling average dice. Um that that sort of wore us down a little bit and, and there was a bit of frustration that came into our game but in saying that we got a draw um, which we had to fight really hard for because in the end I think I said to Anne, it's like look mate we can't rely on rolling dice here, we're just going to have to do this from a more positional game, just get our units in the positions where we can contest objectives or be a threat and then just not do anything with them just hide them uh, genuinely, we're like we're like we can't fucking kill anything. This is bullshit. Let's just let's just stay alive, uh, and that's how it played out. And it wasn't just it wasn't just you know, <coughs> you know on single dice. It was two dice rolls. I yeah. had lots of infantry units which were in reserve because the mission dictated they had to be, and I purposefully took units that were the rules called full strength. For your units at full strength, you get to re-roll um, order checks if you fail. And so when they're off the board, if you fail the order check to come on, you can re-roll it. And I must have failed like seven of these things with re-rolls. And it was just baffling, absolutely baffling. Um, eventually they all came on late in the day, but it, it was it was a tough game. Second game, a uh, we were in the sort of mid-table and uh, thankfully the scenery was really balanced and our opponents were, they were good, but they weren't, you know, it always sounds really arrogant, but 
they made mistakes and we we saw them very quickly for what they were. They were too aggressive at times and the the, the orders the what was I say? The sequence that they issued orders to their units were poor. If they'd have done it in another order, they would have got better results. Right. Um and so myself myself and uh, and just went to work and just clinically took them apart. There was no it was a it was a nice challenge. There were a few sort of challenging moments where things got close, um, but ultimately it was it was a strong win, strong win for us. Uh, and there was a few lucky dice, which was just silly. You know, when you're, you know, well, if I roll a six here, this could be exciting. Boom, six, like well. Pfft. But then that was balanced out. It was um, it was myself. It was a heavy mortar that needed to range in. So you fire indirectly. You, um, and the first time you fire, you can only hit on a six. But in the next turn, it goes to a five plus, four plus three plus two plus. So it works its way down. As soon as you hit, next time you roll to hit that unit, if it hasn't moved, it's always a two plus. So I ranged in straight away on a six, which was really lucky. Killed a bunch of guys, and then the unit was sort of pinned there. Then the next turn, picked up the dice. I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm gonna. This will wipe it out. Roll the one. It's like, well. We were winning the game at that point, so it wasn't mission critical, but it was just that moment of, really? Okay. Then the third game, <coughs> excuse me, we were still sitting in sort of upper middle table, um, but we encountered uh, we encountered players that were, that were really good, but there was a lot of contention in terms of drawing lines of sight and measurement, and it was a very sort of there's a lot of angst in the game, and uh, oh look, it fell apart really quickly for us just because one of our opponents um, was able to get an off-board artillery barrage came in and destroyed one of my units straight away. I didn't destroyed them off the board, uh, yeah. so that was that was um, a third of our army destroyed, and at the start of turn three, um, so there's no real coming back from that, and it was just. And your opponent rolled six after six after six. I think it went like six, six, four, six, six, something like that. Um, for hitting units, and it was just it was a bit depressing. There was also, as I said, there was a little bit of tension in terms of how lines of sight were being drawn. And uh, there was one moment where one of our opponents was trying to shoot his tank at some of my infantry and declared that he could see them. Uh, I didn't believe so. I went to check the line of sight on his side of the table, and I said no. He said yes. I went back, checked, laser pointer, etc., etc. I said no. Uh, and my plane partner went to the other side of the table and uh, looked down, through line of sight, and he's like, no, no line of sight. And this went backwards and forwards, probably for about seven minutes. And then our opponent said that, oh, actually, sorry, I was drawing line of sight from the tank commander who was in the top turret. Whereas all line of sight has to be drawn from the hull. Um, right. So that was extremely frustrating to have to waste time uh, discussing that. And then, but once that was resolved, we obviously we were still getting beaten. So we just went back to finishing the game. So there was no great pleasure in it in that we our tools for having a game were, were taken away from us pretty quick, so um, 
we still made good tactical decisions. We made them work for it. And um, even though we lost, we still got uh, a good chunk of bonus points that were on, on offer. So, um, yeah, fun times. Oh, and Ant got the Best Painted Award, which was really good for him with his Romanians. I was really happy. Good times. Good um, so, but coming up soon, for myself, I have got the, I guess it's the first full action Scottish Championship scoring round, uh, which is called Northern Lights in Aberdeen. Uh, is that this and, weekend coming? And, uh, as we are recording, it is this weekend coming, yes. Yeah. Yep, so I am taking a slightly non-competitive army to it. But in saying that, it's it's an army that the format might be a little bit different to what people are expecting, so it might trip people up. But I am um, not worried about championships at the first round of the season. There's there's lots of lots of events to do that. Uh, so it, it means I've got a nice weekend to look forward to. So yeah. That's really good. Uh, Gordon, uh, GWI1874 slash Huntley Loon, is playing at that one as well, isn't he? Yes, yeah. There's a, and a Marky Mark is going up bolt action as well. And what's great is that these these Blood Bowl players in Scotland that have never played bolt action before are picking up bolt action so that they can get ready for the Megatron Cup. Yes, in August. In August. Which is just it's badass. That's for our listeners, the Megatron Cup, it's an evolution of the Megatron 3000, which I ran last year. Uh, so this year, it's it's the two events. So on the Saturday is the Megatron 3000, which is the bowl action event. On Sunday, there is the Megatron Mega Bowl, which is the Blood Bowl event. And then the, there'll be players that play in both days, and they accumulate uh, points. They're, I'm calling them Megatroners. <laughs> um, so they accumulate mega points, and the mega points go towards there's an overall prize uh, for the best player over both days called the Megatron Cup. Which is, I, I can't believe it's actually going to happen. I'm really excited, and so many people have, um, have got on board with it. There are, I've sold 44 action tickets, which means I'm now at capacity for the venue uh, and we're just about at 20 Blood Bowl tickets but uh, there's a whole bunch of guys that have bought Bolt action tickets that intend on buying Blood Bowl tickets so I know there's easily going to be like another 5 or 10 straight away sold for yeah. that so yeah it's really really good excited. You'll, you'll hear lots more about the Megatron Cup on this podcast as the months get closer and closer. Yeah we'll probably end up doing a special episode uh, based oh. on the Megatron Cup after it happened after. as well. After um, and um I'll share some pictures. I've got the action trophies are already made. And I also have the Megatron Cup itself hasn't been created yet, but it will be. The the vision of the Megatron Cup is that it, that will be a perpetual trophy. Yeah. Um, but I have commissioned a small trophy for the winner of the Megatron Cup to keep and it's this little badass you know LED light up uh, it's got a Decepticon symbol the lights change it can you know purple and red and blue and all that and it's just it's brilliant I love it absolutely love it and all the Megatroners you know, over the both days they will get a set of silver uh, 2D, 2D6 silver Autobot dice 
just I thought it'd be spice it up a bit. Decepticons and Autobots. Um, and the winner of the Megatron Cup will get a set of 36 gold Autobot dice. Um, just little little tokens that they can they can remember the Megatron Cup weekend by, um, which is awesome. I'm excited talking about it now, and it's still sort of still still well. It's not five that, it's away. that far away. It's uh, it's what five months. It's under five months. Uh, I just a little bit over four months now. It's close. It's getting we're, close. Just, just, we're getting close to the to April now, so it must be like yep. four and a half months. Which well, isn't, that long. So well, isn't long. that long. I should I should do some shout out to the sponsors I've already got on board. Um, thank you to Warlord Games. Uh, they've given me a tier three support package, which is uh, I won't say how much it is, but it's a lot of stuff, which is brilliant. Uh, First Core Miniatures. They were uh, they're a return sponsor from last year. The thing about First Core is that um, they sent a really small box, but they packed it so tight full of metal miniatures it was absolutely unreal. Nice. There was like 40, 40 metal miniatures of British and German infantry squads and stuff. It was amazing. Uh, a new sponsor for this year is Osprey Books. Osprey are the printing company that just Warlord Games um, rule books and campaign yep. books. But they also do books on uh, all historical time periods, on uniforms, military formations. Um, you know, they're, they're very much a factual-based print company as well as doing rules uh, rules printing for, for different game systems. So Osprey Games are uh, going to send me along a little bundle of books uh, for the prize pool. And another returning sponsor is Anyscale Models. They are a um, 3D printing company based in Scotland. Uh, and they are returning as well. This time, he's not going to send any any actual product, but he is going to send everybody a 25% discount voucher uh, for his online store, which is pretty, pretty good. So um, I cannot fault them that. So... Those are the sponsors already, and of course, Humanscape, uh, who are another Scottish company, and they are the manufacturer and designer of our trophies and our dice. That was uh, Demonscape, I think, because you cut out a little bit at the, the start of it, just to make yeah. it clear. For Humanscape, run by a gentleman called Terry Millard. What I will do is um, I'll put a few links on our Two Guys, One Dice Cup Facebook page, so that the listeners can... Um, You'll know, see what some of these companies do and see some pictures of the trophies as well. Yeah. Good shit. That sounds like it's shaping up really nice. Uh, which is which is always good yeah. to see. Oh, and I suppose we should I, I keep forgetting as well that the, with Blood Bowl as well, then they've got their own set of um sponsors coming on board. But I know that Punga have um already signed up to supply some some prize support for Blood Bowl. Uh, and uh my friend Ant is uh, assisting me with the Blood Bowl side of things. He has got, um, I think it's Mad Max. I've done a little design for some spoke block dice. They're, they're not going to be mass produced. Um, they might just be given away as some spot prizes. They're just a bit of a, a bit of a test concept. And I mean, I've never really made it hugely public knowledge, but I've got a bit of a five-year plan for this tournament. And it started 
obviously last year with just running the Megatron 3000, and making sure that you know the the blood the bolt action event could run comfortably by itself. This is year two, introduce Blood Bowl and run the Megatron Cup for the very first year. Year three will be a bit of a consolidation, so just run it the same way again, make sure we can max out on the numbers, and I'll introduce more of a logo and a branding to it. Then year four will push for expansion uh, for both systems um, you know, to see how, how many could we get. Like what's at the moment, this year, if all 44 Blood Bowl, uh, Bowl Action players turn up, that will make it the biggest single-player one-day Bowl Action event in Scotland. Um, maybe even the sort of... Oh, you know what? Maybe even in the UK. I'll throw it out there. The, the, the previous record is a, an event down in Cambridge that had over 100, so <laughs> got a long way to go to match that. But yeah. that, that doesn't run anymore, sadly. Um... And then the same, the same for Blood Bowl. You know, I would like to target uh, fifty for Blood Bowl, but then see how far that can be pushed, because there would then be players of both systems wanting to do both days. So there, there should be a good way to feed it. And then um, year five, I'll keep my year five ambitions to myself just now. So yeah. sounds like a good plan. There's a plan. A little bit of crawling, a little bit of walking, then a little bit of running. Then year five, I'll, if it's all going well, I'll take a leap of faith and do something amazing. Madness. Madness. That's exactly it. Phil, is there anything else from you, though, in this, um, this podcast? Are you, are you still happy being the hero? So, yeah, um, I have stuff coming up between now and next time we'll be recording obviously as well um i've got a uktc uh not oh my this weekend coming the weekend after that wow um where i'm taking a two guys one dice cup team uh so there's myself uh there's uh, gordon gwi 1874 there's mcnugget uh marky mark and i have got uh chris hill whose NAF name is Chili, um, joining us as well as our fourth player. Um, so we are, uh, I'd say, we probably haven't prepared as much as I would have liked, but things have happened over the past uh, couple of uh, months and stuff that have made that more difficult than it, it could have been. Um, so then um, um, I think we're all, competent enough players to kind of pull together and it's how we play together as a team on the day so i'm looking forward to it uh, for sure um we have submitted our races to uh, uh brendan at uktc uh so they're locked in i don't know if our team compositions are nailed on exactly as it is at the moment in terms of what we're taking skill wise but um i think uh we're doing orcs Undead, Lizard Men, and uh, Elven Union. So it's a decent, decent spread. Um, I think uh, the um, kind of aim is just to do as well as we can and have some fun. And we will have a wash up podcast episode on the UKTC uh, between. So that might be that might be our next episode. Uh, and then we'll have an episode after 
after that, some point later in the month in, in April uh, too, so you, you, you get a bonus a couple of bonus episodes out of us over the next couple of months I would, <laughs> I would think um, what else have I got um, I think that's it for tournaments I, I'll have NAF championships at the end of uh, April, but uh, start of May, uh, but I'll, that'll be discussed at the at one of the other podcasts so um, yeah that's kind of it. As far as doing stuff goes, I'll just be soldiering away on painting stuff for commission. Yeah, be booked out until June now. So, um, fascinating. You going to remind everybody where they can go in your Etsy store? Yes. So, uh, plenty of Blood Bowl and non-Blood Bowl stuff on granite miniatures on Etsy. Um, also available for sponsorship of tournaments. Uh, should anybody require. Um, just drop me a, a message. Uh, I think I, I've, I've sponsored one already. I sponsored uh, one of the guys from Two Drunk Flings. I was putting on a tournament earlier in May, uh, March, so I, I gave them a team uh, for the raffle. Uh, so yeah, just give me a shout if you need anything, um, uh, and I'll I'll consider most things. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as painting goes. Uh, I think most of my paintings done under Phil Paint stuff on Instagram and um, and Twitter, so you can search for me on there. And if you want something commissioned, get in touch. Although I think I'm probably looking at July this year before I can even start doing anything else. I've had a pretty positive uh, um, start to my commissioned painting um, uh, career, uh, so that's uh, been going to keep me busy for the first half of the year. So yeah, that's, that's that's me. What about yourself? Any other plans? No, look, all the other plans I've got are sort of stretching out, um, you know, beyond in the next few months. You know, there's lots of tournaments coming up. Um, you know, big, big, big one way off in the horizon is called World Open War in October, uh, which is another international team event for bolt action. And um, I am captaining Scotland uh, to that. Uh, you know, I, the Bolt Action World Team Championship occurred last weekend in Spain and Scotland elected not to send a team or any players of, of any kind uh, which is the first time we've, we've done that and um, we did that because we, we weren't comfortable with the organisation we didn't like the player pack uh, overly much we felt it was sort of driven towards If you, it felt like if you wanted to compete you had to take a certain type of army which we were quite frankly quite bored by the prospect of it, um, so we didn't um, didn't go. And um, you know, it's, it would be ill of me to say now, because I don't have all the information to hand, but there were issues at World Team Championship. Um, I've heard a lot of stories of marked dice, poor sportsmanship, poor play. Um, so there's things that need to be unpacked within that community, um, and I'll keep an eye on that. But um, you know, looking at the top three teams, though, the, the army list that we felt they were all being driven to was a tank platoon. Right. And I can say that the top three teams, uh, they had quite a lot of tanks between them. Um, and looking at the lists, there are quite a few lists that uh, we would have taken the same. Um, you know, the, the Scottish team, we, we wrote all our lists we thought we would take. 
then when we looked at them and realised that the chances are we'll just play against all these similar lists, why would we want to do that? Um, yeah, we're, we were that, not. That's, that's pretty shit. Yeah, we were not wrong in ourselves and the Scottish players that are around me. Nobody, uh, nobody regrets not being there. Other than we miss seeing our international friends. Yes, that's the one thing we miss. We missed hanging out with our international buddies from Denmark, from England, um, from Germany. Uh, and Wales and Ireland, we we missed those connections. Um, we didn't miss the gameplay, and we don't regret not going. Um, it is what it is. We'll keep an eye on it and see what comes of it. Hopefully, only positives can be taken from it. So, um, keep you informed, yeah. podcast listeners. It, I mean, it's disappointing because uh, the people who are running this one are the the folks who are considering uh, doing a. Um, money-based uh, prize, a large money-based prize for tournaments in the future, and yep. it doesn't really inspire confidence in that setup if the bottom end of the uh, the thing is not being managed particularly well as it is at the moment. Yep. But and, and some of the things you've discussed are things that a, a strong TO should be kind of pulling together and making sure. Yeah, I'm looking. Happen. And what Phil is alluding to is, I we had I spoke to them offline before recording, but obviously I'm not going to do anything on record without having all the full knowledge. I I wasn't there. I'm hearing messages, Absolutely. you know, either secondhand or you know directly from the players themselves. I've I've got quite a lot of connections that were on the tables there, and they're telling me what they think. And these are these are players that I trust. Yeah, um, and. It- I think it's it's good to kind of uh, let things ruminate for a while and get a bit more uh, knowledge on things. But yeah, if, if if what's being said is true, it's pretty disappointing, which is unfortunate because yes. um, it, it has a potential to tarnish tournaments. Uh, so it's not it a not a nice place to be um, that if that's the case. Well, Phil, usually we would make some commitments to what we're going to do hobby wise, but you know what? I think we should just do as much as we can and have fun. Yeah, I'm going to play some Blood Bowl with some folks and have some fun uh, between now and the next episode. That's my my only commitment. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to uh, Season 4, Episode 3 of Two Guys, One Dice Cup. Remember, you are the hero uh, in your own little world. <laughs> but if you want to follow along... Um, the fighting fantasy novels are available online. Um, don't go to eBay because they're crazy prices. Um, yes, wouldn't do it. They're madness. Um, you, can, you, can... you can obviously buy the uh, the reprints at reasonable prices from Amazon yes. and, and stuff like that. If, but if you were yes. desperate to have uh, first printing uh, versions, then your best bet is probably going to um, like a Bernardo's or Oxfam or somewhere like that that sells secondhand oh. books. Go to a thrift store, charity shop, yeah. uh, and just hunt around. And um, what would be really, really great is if you could um, send us some messages, send us some pictures with uh, a selfie with yourself and your fighting fantasy book, and let us know how it goes, and we will talk to you yeah, again. If, you, if you've got any or, or have played any already, uh, then yes, by all means, like bung us a comment and tell us what we've uh, what you've got, and uh, let's get a chat started and. Selfies with the books. Yeah, selfies with the books. We want to see how good looking our listeners are. 
and you can that. do that on Twitter now as well because mm. we have got a Twitter account. Uh, um, so yes, uh, if you search for two guys one dice cup on Twitter, you'll find us. Please uh, follow us because I'm shit at uh, uh, generating additional content and tag us in your fighting fantasy or Blood Bowl related shit. Um, so yeah, that'd be grand. That. Bye. Bye.